Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way, and thank you for walking alongside us today, in small measure anyway, by listening to this podcast. Thank you to those of you who have joined in to make it happen, um, one way or another, however you have done that, should that be you. Thank you so much for your generosity and kindness towards us and our our tiny part in the in the huge the huge solar system that is establishing the kingdom of Yahweh Elohim through Yeshua Messiah the Son, the Son, the preeminent one. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode, didn't we? We talked about when Yeshua was in the crowd in um the Luke account specifically, and the blind man named Bartimaeus called out, <coughs> excuse me, he called out to Yeshua and cried out for mercy, have mercy on me. And of course, it says, my version anyway, talks about those who were leading the way, told him to be quiet. They vehemently basically said, shut your mouth, man, leave this rabbi alone. We're not told who they were necessarily. But it says the leaders that were up front of the multitudes with Jesus, Yeshua, leave him alone. Be quiet. So he calls out again. He cries out again with a loud voice, have mercy on me, son of David. And Yeshua, of course, as we know, responds. He stops. He stands beside the man. He restores his sight. And not just that, as we always see, not always, but often in a biblical example, a pattern, is Yeshua heals the man and makes him whole, well, saved, rescued, delivered. And so we talked about that and how he is the one mediator Messiah. There's only one, there is no other, and that is his primary present-day function, He's not just hanging out because he accomplished everything he need, needed to do um, as, a, as, the, as the man who died on the cross. And he's not just building you or me a mansion in the sky. No. There's much more to preparing a place for us. And it's sure not what we've been taught in the Christian church. But without getting into that, there is a, there is a preeminent mediator messiah and we talked about that just the other day you can go find that um, on youtube or of course at pathdesign.com now today i want to talk just a little bit about first peter chapter 1 verse 15 now this is a verse that that we're very familiar with as those of us who have been in the church for the majority of our lives we know this verse but as is the case with many things we know a lot (laughs) Or at least we think we know it, or we know it in part. Now, sometimes we know things that are what we know of a verse, of a certain scriptural text, is nothing like what it is. Nothing at all what the author intended when he wrote it. And a lot of times we don't ask questions. We're just we're told by ones who we have been led to believe are more learned than we are, which there are those men, of course. There are always others that are above us in understanding and wisdom and ability to teach and understand the Scripture rightly, of course. 
But a lot of times if someone is in an office, in a function, in a, in a titled position, they're just instantly given credibility. Well, I didn't go to seminary, or I've not been a pastor for 20 years. And so we assume, often to our own detriment, that what that man is telling us is truth. Now, this is one of those verses that I would say has been a little bit misconstrued. And we'll get right to the text, and we'll talk about it for just a few moments today. And I don't have time to read the, the preceding. I'm in the truck driving again today. We're not having much, like, sit-down studio time um, to record some stuff right now. Although there are some things forthcoming, so, so stay close. But in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, and again, I can't read all the preceding stuff because this verse actually starts with the word, but... And so there's a distinction being made that, again, we just won't get into today. But we will pick up with, as the holy, sacred, and consecrated one who called you. Okay, now I elaborated a little bit. Most versions just say, as the holy one who called you. But i like for us to get into our understanding when, you know, just a couple years ago I started to come into a proper fullness of understanding what holy means. As I talk about a lot on the program, I never really understood what holiness was. I had something in my mind. That's a good that's a good example of what we just talked about a few moments ago. I was taught what holy is. I was taught I'm supposed to be holy. And I was equally taught that I never really will be and I can't really be holy. Because I'm in a in a flesh man body and I'm I'm just going to be full of sin, and I'm just going to, you know, all these excuses that we are given in the church as Christians, believers, followers of Christ. Well, you're, you're like Christ, I and mean, we know the verses, we've been taught them. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me, and um, he who loses his life for my sake will find it, said the Messiah. And we're told those things, but we're also told running right alongside that, that you can't really do it. You know, you're always going to be bound to sin, but Christ can set you free. (laughs) But you're always going to be a wretched sinner, just a fallen sinner, man. You're going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. Well, of course, yes. But this should not invalidate in any way or lessen our ability to be holy, sacred, consecrated as the one who called me, right? We've got to get this through our understanding, which is why I believe this is valuable for us to talk about today. And so there's some things even in this first part of the verse that we'll come back to. So let's read the rest of this verse specifically. So as the holy, sacred, and consecrated one who called you, become holy, sacred, and consecrated yourselves in all your behavior, conversation, an entire way of life. Now, I elaborated on the end like I did at the beginning. Depending on what version you read, it may say, in all of your behavior, which is, of course, pretty all-encompassing. I mean, that word is definitely more appropriate, but other versions say, in all your conversation. Now, conversation, of course, would, would lead us to probably mistranslating this text and and not really understanding what it's saying because 
this this word conversation in Greek is much more um, <laughs> it's much larger than just things that you say. Now I can remember sermons I've heard over the years talking about um, verses where you know let your let your words be this that and the other. We could use we could name off several scriptures that we don't have time for today. Don't don't be a part of coarse jesting. Let your speech be this this this. You know the 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 outflow of your heart is going to come out of your mouth and so we could easily make a four-point sermon about this text from a standpoint of in all your conversation be holy. Okay, so we need to talk different than the world. We need to do this and that. And those things are well and good and completely, entirely um, applicable here. Yes. But the Greek word for this is much larger, and that's why I would lean towards the, the, the verbiage of behavior. Because if we say conversation, in our, in our understanding of conversation, that's pretty limiting. Well, Okay, be holy in what you say, what you talk about. And that that becomes compartmentalized into one section of our life. But behavior now is, of course, covering all areas of our life. Everything that we do. You're be, you have a behavior. I have a behavior. Every human being has certain attributes that define their behavior. Routines. Actions, thoughts, things that we find ourselves captivated by, things that we give attention to, routines of our life that we do on a daily basis. There are behaviors, and there are godly behaviors that we are told in Scripture. We could talk about that. We could shoot off from there. And, and what, are, what are ancient way realities about behavior? We're given all these things. We're told how to walk the, the, the halak of the Old Testament, the, the walking out, the, the what we actually do. When we're told to walk as, as Yeshua Messiah walked, it's basically saying you follow the halakha, the, the, as we talked about, I don't know, months ago now in the YouTube video, you can look up our one example, the hupogramos. The Greek word that describes what? The one man, individual, living example, God-man, Yeshua the Messiah. We've been given a pattern to walk. We've been given a way to walk. And that's the beauty of living in this age that we live in here. Post-Emmanuel is, is well, let's, let's talk about this for a mere moment, though, because this has to be mentioned every time we talk about our posture today, where we are, the position we've been given, generationally speaking, here on the earth in this age, this hour, this epoch of time. Yahweh Elohim has always, always made a way for men to know Him. He has always made a way for men to be holy and righteous in His sight. He has always given the ways for mankind to be pleasing to him. And so we have to get that through our minds. And and to most of you, I would assume, well, of course, I understand that. I know that. But the verbiage and rhetoric and teaching I've received most of my life 
seems to negate the fact that, that Yahweh has always made a way for man to know him, to come to him, and even to fulfill 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, to be holy, sacred, and consecrated as he is. Now, did it look different? Of course it looked different. There was a temple in place. There, were, there, were, there was at times a tabernacle moving about. There were things to do. There was a Levitical priesthood in place, physical men filling, fulfilling a role, a priestly function in the natural. There were animal sacrifices, all these different things. There were endless offerings and sacrifices, not just the blood sacrifices that we learned in you know, high school, Sunday school class. There was a whole lot more about offerings and sacrifices than just the guilt offering or the, or the atonement sacrificial system. There was a lot more going on that by your own volition, your own choosing, you could bring an offering unto the Lord to the temple. There was so much more than, than we've been taught and that I even presently know. I know more than I used to, but I still am learning very much about the, the complexity of, of mankind bringing offerings unto Yahweh. And so Yahweh has always made a way for men to know him. This was no new idea when the God-man Emmanuel showed up at Magdal Dar alongside the sacrificial lambs in Bethlehem. This was no happenstance where God decided to make a way for men to know him. This was no new idea, and it always bears mentioning. He has always been, he, Yahweh Elohim, has always been approachable, attainable, because if he has not, then he is changing. And he's not changing. He has pursued mankind from the very beginning. And that's what's interesting about this verse specifically, which is a perfect segue into the, into the next part here. The holy, sacred, and consecrated one who called you. See, that's the beauty of this. This is, again, this is not works-based. I, I can hear some people's wheels turning about, man, you're talking about attaining holiness and being a consecrated, set-apart, sacred man like Yahweh Elohim by all the stuff that you do. You're trying to earn his good pleasure. You're trying to earn his attention. No, sir. No way, no how. We're not talking about that. That's just, that's the Christian mindset that has dug a ditch where everything like this runs into and gathers up and pulls up and turns real sour real fast. It's bad doctrine. We're not saying we're earning anything because we understand completely that we have been called by him. We've been called by the Holy One. That's the only way I can ever come to him. I've been called. Now, now if the perfect Holy One calls me, is he not going to enable me to respond and actually draw near to him? Of course he would. And to make my point clear, and then we'll move on, he's always done that. He's always done that. Go all the way back to Cain and Abel. Post-murder, first murder on the earth, first shedding of blood of a human being. As I always like to note, I mean, <laughs> the very first generation of humanity that we know of for sure, bloodshed, murder. 
sin moves very quickly in mankind. And so this takes place, and, and what happens? Cain is extended mercy. Oh, Cain, if you, if you would only turn to me, if you would only lift your countenance and come to me, son, I would have received you back. Why? Because that's who the Father is. The, the, the verse that says he desires none to perish, friend, that means a whole lot more than just some salvation witnessing, you know, soul winning technique and tactic. We have, we have made that just some soul winning verse. He desires none to perish. Oh, won't you come to the cross? That is not what that's saying in its fullness. It's saying that Yahweh Elohim truly to the utmost desires every man to know his creator. The creator longs for his creation to know him. And so he calls us. He, he gives us the ability to draw near. Now here we are today post-Yeshua, post-Messiah. What now? The average Christian doctrine would promote that we just, we have everything imputed to us now and that we really just don't do much. And I understand we talk about this all the time. And we have to because this infiltrates all of our lives in some way or another. Whether we realize it or not at this very moment, it has gone into the innermost hidden recesses of our of our behavior in all of us myself included i'm not saying i've mastered this or i'm immune or i'm above it in any way i'm saying this to all of us as this verse concludes be holy and consecrated be set apart kadosh as the Kadosh one who called you in all of your behavior and in your entire way of life. And so, friend, are you, okay, if we're talking about the imputed holiness, because we can talk about imputed righteousness now, but we've got to know what we're talking about. All these words don't mean the same thing now. We know that. Righteousness is not identical with holiness or we wouldn't have the two. They are different. So in regards to a holy, consecrated, set-apart, segregated man, as the kadosh, holy, sacred, consecrated one, Yahweh, is, are we upon our salvation instantly in our regeneration now, at that moment, at that event, at that marked time and space, are we thereby immediately deemed holy, consecrated, sacred in all our behavior, conversation, and our entire way of life? Mine, I was not that way. Were you? Were you instantaneously by behavior a holy one as he is holy? I dare say you weren't. Again, we're not talking about imputed righteousness now. We're talking about holiness. Holiness. Holiness is a journey, if we could say that rightly. 
in my understanding, in my studies, in my daily walking this out, holiness is a, because again, we're talking about behavior, holy behavior. My life for the rest of my days, I believe, is is appropriately defined as being sanctified in all of my behavior. I think sanctification runs right alongside this. I have been empowered by Holy Spirit through the blood of Yeshua Messiah in my regeneration experience. Yes, I'm not doing anything anymore at all in my own efforts. I do nothing in my own efforts that's right, pleasing, and good, to be clear. I can do things in my own efforts, and I do. Don't you? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what this laboring is is laying down our flesh man um like our flesh man drive to please God in whatever ways we define them and surrender our will and our ways to what to walk as Yeshua Messiah walked again here we are with the hupogramos the halakha the walking as the son walked doing what he did and not doing what he did not do Our sanctification process is just that, in process, moving, advancing. And in that process, we are becoming, becoming, becoming more holy, more sacred, more consecrated, more kadosh, holy. That's, don't, do we understand this simple principle, but it's so profound Who is the Holy Spirit? Kadosh. Kadosh. Holy. The indwelling Spirit of Yahweh Elohim empowering us to become holy as He Himself is holy. Friends, this is an incredible invitation. And this this leads us to where everything on this program does. And this will cost us everything. It will cost you your doctrinal beliefs. It will cost you what you believe and what makes it through to the other side of studying to show yourself approved in order to be pleasing in the sight of your Creator. Because many things we've been taught don't make it to the other side. They don't make it through the strainer of biblical truth. Things I possess now and believe now when, when the Holy Spirit leads me to those things in their absolute truth, many things I hold now that I don't even understand or know and I'm aware of will have to be left behind. Why? So that I can rightly become holy as He is holy. Friends, this is, this is an attainable goal. Regrettably, in closing, the church has, has really perverted this 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 rightful understanding of these biblical challenges that we have been given we've we've really we've neutered the power that is within this principle we've, we've we have removed the power from it we've been told most of our lives that it's okay brother it's okay if you if you are addicted to pornography, it's okay. Hey, I'm a sinner too. Hey, 
It's okay. I'll pray for you. Well, brother, you're 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 just really this or this, but it's all right. It's all right. We're all just fallen human beings doing the best that we can. Friends, this is not this is not what the Bible teaches us. And this is a and let's just be honest. This is a very very deep chasm to dig out of. This understanding that we have been handed. I'm telling you this is a deep 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 well that has really crippled the church. And her entire identity, I would say, has been affected by it negatively for generations and generations. Instead of saying, you know what, brother, I'm going to call you higher. Why? Because this is what I'm doing. I'm saying we've got to go further. We've got to go further. We've got to get rid of this and get rid of that and add this and add that. We have got to do it because we have got to be holy as he is holy. And it is a becoming process. Some versions I do know say, be holy. But a quick word study will show you this is a becoming. This is a movement. This is a progressional advancing, a becoming holy. And friends, you won't do it in your lifetime. I don't believe we can. I don't know. That's a debatable discussion. I just think in humility, it would do us well to say, whether it's attainable in this lifetime or not, in the, in the most advanced, full way I can come up with, scripturally speaking, what, no matter where I fall with that, my endeavor is to address all of my behavior. There's nothing that I will not examine. There's nothing I won't put my attention to and, and place before the Father. There's nothing off limits of my life. And so, friends, let me just ask you that. I feel like Holy Spirit would, would press us right here. What in your life is perhaps something you, you have not even really thought about that is keeping you from being holy as He is holy? Perhaps it's fear. Fear of men. Fear of God Himself. Fear of rejection. Fear of not knowing the future. Fear of losing family. Maybe it's just simple, good old-fashioned sin. I say all the time we've just got to move past the sin issue and always talking about sin and, and, and uh, strongholds in our life, bondages to sin. Well, yes, that's true, but we've got to get there first. We've got to leave our sinful behavior behind. Examine your day, friend. Examine your, your day, moment by moment, when you're at work, when you're mowing your grass, when you're sitting at the table eating dinner with your family. What are you doing? What are you thinking? What are the intentions of motives of your heart? We've got to ask why. Because we've got to know. And why do we need to ask and why do we need to know? So that we have any chance of being holy. As our awesome, wonderful, holy Father is holy. And, and here's the thing. We have no excuse. We have no excuse. He knows our frailty. He knows our condition, of course. 
He knows my he knows my stubbornness and my rebellion. He knows me. But I've been given Holy Spirit to empower me as much as I believe. This is my way of seeing it. To whatever expanse to whatever measurement I will allow. I believe that's true for every man. I believe the power to live holy as Yahweh is holy is given to every man who's in Yeshua the Son. I believe full dose. The only issue, as I always say on the program, is is us. The only issue is us. (laughs) We've been given all authority. We've been given power. We possess... Yeshua the Messiah himself indwelling us as the as the tabernacle temple of God himself. We have been given every single thing we need, friend. So let us tend to these things. Let's be holy as he is holy. Kadosh, man, kadosh. Set apart, consecrated, different, sacred, marked holy space. We're going to talk about that again. Um, here in upcoming episodes about sacred space, the biblical understanding of altars. Stay tuned for that. That will be coming up soon. You've been listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today. Find us online at pathtozion.com, on YouTube and Facebook as well. Reach out to us either one of those places or at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Amen.